0: All right. Welcome to an episode of Real Estate vs. Technology. I'm your host, Norman Kinsey. We have our co-host, Mr. Dan Gandy. Welcome, Dan. Glad to be here. Awesome. As always, we appreciate your time. And so before we go ahead and let you all know who our special guest is, we just want to go ahead and encourage everyone to like the episode, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Every Friday we have a new episode comes out at 3.30 Pacific Standard Time. So we want to make sure you don't miss anything. Um, Today, we actually have an individual that is absolutely crushing it. So she's with Sotheby's International Realty. She's the CEO of Gibson Uh, branch of Sotheby's International Realty. She's also an author as well. It's called There Is No Such Thing As Luck. And today we're going to be deep diving into more of the mindset when it comes to pandemics and now this whole housing crisis. Is it really a crisis? We're going to find out today with the one and only Colleen. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here with you both. Of course, of course. It was awesome. right Before we were on air, talking about how when you get to a certain level, you know, the money is is the byproduct and it's more so yeah. about, like you said, first thing you said, live in the dream. So that's right. I just, just love that.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? I'm a big believer that the story that you tell yourself is the one that you're going to be living. Um, and I think what can happen from time to time, especially if you listen to the news media these days, you would be 100% convinced that the sky is falling. Um, and now having been in this business for over 20 years, um, just crossed that mark in May, I will tell you that you are going to run into these scenarios over and over again. Mm. It is a cyclical business. We have our seasonal cycles, but also there tends to be a 10-year cycle. So you have to know that that's what's going to happen. But in the end, real estate always ends up on the plus side. Mm. You know, it's there are these sort of like, little tiny dips that go, but the, but the overarching pattern is really one that's shooting up. So you just Mm. want to keep that in mind the whole time. Um, Mm. and, uh, I'm such a believer in mindset and you're, you're, the fact that what you do is oftentimes many of us, we overthink that I was uh, featured in a book by John Acuff. Um, John wrote a a book called soundtracks. You may know John from other books. He wrote a book called start. He did one called finish. Mm. Um, he's a New York Times bestseller, but this book was all about overthinking and how you can use that muscle to your advantage. So I think right now in times of either crisis or perceived crisis, which is what I would call our current situation, that it's important for you to really focus on what you can control and focus on the story you're telling yourself.
0: Wow. I absolutely love that. So I love stories. I feel like Storytelling is a great way for our listeners and viewers really to get connected um, mm-hmm. and and to get more involved with the process of going through this episode and them being able to learn yeah. something. So just frame a reference. You know, you've been in the business twenty plus years. 25 offices over 450 agents so first off congratulations mm-hmm. on all your success that's that's huge thank
1: you and thank you
0: obviously mindset has to play into that right so yeah. so let's get from the beginning like why the heck real estate like why did you pick this industry and, and and what was the mindset like as <laughs> what you were you thinking coming? yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, were <you> thinking? <laughs> what
1: were you thinking oh Are my always, god
0: <laughs> you always thinking i want 450 agents and 25 offices let's no get into, like the beginning
1: Oh, you're going to like this. So I actually originally went to school for graphic design.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and be, and that was because it was a an art skill that you could actually make a living, a living with, you know, whereas a lot yeah. of art skills are very difficult to make a living. Um, so it was a commercial art skill. And uh, what I found is that I'm not a very good graphic designer. Um, But what I naturally tend to do is come in with a group of people and and take a leadership role. Mm. I tend to get excited about all of the brains in the room and all of the skills in the room um, and how much they outshine mine and and how can we get them into a position where they can do more. So that's sort of a natural thing for me. So, you know, let's fast forward. So I graduated from college in ninety six. Uh, in 2001, I was working as, uh, the assistant to a documentary filmmaker, doing research and doing distribution and community meetings and everything. We showed a film at Cannes and then the dot-com bust happens and 9-11 happens and all of a sudden I'm looking for work. And so I was doing graphic design work on the side. I was cooking pizzas and I took a job as a, a receptionist in a real estate rental office. And that was at the predecessor to Gibson Sotheby's. That was Gibson Domain. Domain, and uh, here it is, twenty years later. I'm the CEO of the company, and we've grown from three offices to twenty-five, from about forty agents to four hundred and fifty agents, and uh, we did over four point two billion dollars in sales last year. Wow, Ooh.
0: that's that's a feat. Yeah, that that's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So I know a lot of people out there are hearing, and sometimes you hear big numbers and like big yeah. successes, and it's great. And I feel like also on the other side, I think about overanalyzing, overthinking. It's like, yes, oh God, how? Like, that is just, like, overwhelming. So, yeah. like, was it your goal to hit those type of, like, 25 offices, 450 agents, no. or was it just, like, it just happened?
1: So, you know, that's such a good question. Um, the answer is uh, a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. So <clears throat> what we've done throughout is we've adapted well and this is what we're all going to face right now, right? So the business plan or model that you've had over the last couple of years may not be the one that's going to suit you best going forward in the next two years. <laughs> right. Good. In all likelihood, it won't. So how do you adapt? How do you figure out what is the thing that my clients need most for me right now? And who are those clients? Cause it may not be the same people that you've been serving for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do you adapt to that shift? Um, And I think generally speaking, I can tell you that the model of our company has been that our leadership team partners with every agent. And that I know sounds like a platitude, but the reality is when we look at our agents as business partners... And try to find ways to help them grow, which is a lot of what an agent is doing. They think of their clients as being, in in many ways, business partners, right? Mm-hmm. So how can they help them accomplish what they need to accomplish or what they want to accomplish? And if you look at it from that perspective, growth becomes a natural result of that mission. And I think that then you can break it down into more like quarterly or annual goals, Mm. But our goal has never been we want to be the biggest real estate company or we want to be, uh, you know, in anything along those lines. Those kinds of metrics haven't been the driving force. Sure, we have quarter to quarter goals. We have annual goals. But the reality is what we're really primarily driven by is being good business partners for our agents and to try to remove as much of the friction from this industry for them and their clients as we can, so that is going to shift. How we do that pay, depending on what the marketplace is doing and what's happening out there, right? So, uh, but our mission remains the same.
0: Wow that's that's a that's a first on real super tech. We've never heard of it from that perspective of like you're our business partner, and it's in our best interest to see you become successful. And mm-hmm. I love that mental mindset shift because like you said like that book you're talking about like overanalyzing yes. and so forth and there's so much more you can play into that and you keep it so simple where it's just like if you're successful i'm successful we're all successful we all go together and that's right. i absolutely love that that's that's huge okay. and i can imagine retention's higher agents want to stay yes. longer yep. like you build these deeper connections as well by having that model as well so that's that's huge for viewers and listeners out there that's some that's a yeah. note taken right there that's a comment
2: below. <laughs>
1: Well, I'll tell you, I had a conversation with one of our agents just last week, and uh, he's one of our most successful agents. He runs an, an amazing team. They did, uh, I believe it was eighty million dollars in business last year. And he, uh, I called him to ask him a question, and when he picked up the phone, he said, "Before I say anything, listen to this." And he strummed a guitar, and he said, "I'm doing exactly what I told you I was going to try to do, which is take most of the summer off and let my team run." The business for the summer. And I said, I am so excited for you. And he said, how many CEOs in the world would tell an independent contractor who's responsible for the revenue generation of their business, I want you to take the summer off. But we know that he is not a he is not a revenue generator he is a person with a family and he's a person who has been working his butt off for the last few years so how can we make sure that he's being taken care of holistically you know you have to have time off in your business plan if you don't you will burn yourself out in this business because there is not a good delineation between your personal time and your work time
0: oh so good so true. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> dance of the business. He you knows he's over there, like yeah. oh my god. And it's, I try to keep
2: it. To, I try to keep it to the weekends and the evenings, and it, yeah. it it sometimes bleeds over. But uh I think I've been good about setting boundaries, and I think that but, uh, agents, you know, they're they're hungry, so they don't they in what would be the best best word to describe this. They in- inadvertently don't set boundaries because they right. want to be super successful, but they don't operate in a schedule.
0: Mm. Right, that's yeah. right. Or, or they think that, oh, when I get here, then I will do. And it's like that no, 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 is no. Oh, no, no.
1: That's the most dangerous phrase in the world. Oh. You know that phrase is the. Uh, it's on this. It's the other side of the coin. To well, we've always done it this way. You know what I mean? Like those two things seem like they're, they're just opposite sides of the same coin. And the reality is that how you build your business is how you live. Right. So if you keep thinking that at some point I'm going to feel so successful, that then I'll be able to take my foot off the gas. I promise you, you will never feel that way. Wow. And the reality is that, and you see this in a lot of books. There's a great book by a guy named Sean Aker And he did a TED Talk about this. It's one of the most popular TED Talks. It's called The Happiness Advantage. Hmm. And what what scientists have learned is that if we always put success beyond the cognitive horizon, in other words, like the goalposts are way down there because you're going to keep resetting it, right? You sold 20 million this year. You're going to say, well, at 30 million, I'm going to take my foot off the gas. Then you get to 30 million, you say, at 50 million, I'll take my foot off the gas. Like, when does it stop? And then what have you sacrificed along the way? And are you really giving the best version of yourself to your clients or your team or your family? Probably not. Mm. So you have to build it around those boundaries and just healthy ones, you know, <laughs> just healthy boundaries. It,
2: you can, uh, the, the mix of it all is that you don't want to sur- You don't want to pass over those cherished moments. Like I, I just had a, 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 my second son and, uh,
1: congratulations. Thank you. You Thank you. And
2: Friday I needed to take him to his, uh, like four or six week appointment. Right. And like, he's getting his first round of shots and my wife's like, are you going to be able to make it? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to shift some things around, but so many agents like let those types of things just like, Oh, I can't do it. Like here, wife, you just go. And then you'll never experience those ever Mm -hmm. again. They'll never be at that point in life.
1: That's right. You know, I have. I need to we, because we're our, our offices are spread out. Uh, I find myself being a professional nomad, you know, I, I have to be present every, everywhere I can be because uh, there's nothing like an in person gathering. I love talking to you guys right now this way, but it would be so much better if we were live oh, and in person yeah. together. Um, but I, we're, I have to spend uh, some time on the Cape this week connecting with our agents down here, so I brought my family with me, Aww. and you know, we can do that, so why shouldn't we? Um, and I'm uh, sure I'm working during the day, but then, you know, we're going to have lunch together in a little bit. And then later on, we're going to have dinner together. Nice. And it's a way for all of us to be kind of bought into, um, being together, you know, but also them understanding that I've got a lot of work to do and I'm going to do the best I can to be present for them as well. So
0: that's huge. And then your children get to see how is mom balancing everything? That's right. Out. What is that's she right? Doing? Oh, and she has a flexibility to bring us. And so that's right. Which is really cool, and if it wasn't for my wife, my daughter last year, uh, I took a week off and I was like, Oh my god, like the first time in my life, to yeah, I'm like this is great, like you know. And we have to, viewers and listeners out there, you have to set
2: up. a month now, <laughs> yeah, that, that,
1: you have to that. refill your cup. If you don't refill your cup, what do you have left, yeah,
2: you know? burn yourself out,
0: yeah. Right. I know in certain countries they do that, that you take off like a month, or teachers they take off the whole summer, yeah. you know, they're just getting yeah. back to school right now, so yeah. Uh, I love that. I love that. So we're going to switch it up. I'm going to go into the mix-up round now with Dan Gandhi and have him talk a, m- a bit more about like the technology behind sure. the Sotheby's international brand. How do you keep mm-hmm. it all together? How are you communicating
2: yeah. with each other? Um, and uh, take it away, Dan, for the mix-up round. Thanks, Laura. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, let me, let me start the, the mix-up round by saying that your brand Sotheby's is one of the very few that, um, it has a prestigiousness to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're in an any market and you see a B sign, it's typically yes. a nice house and a nice yes. area with yep. a very experienced agent. And I think, how mm-hmm. do you maintain that brand consistency when you're recruiting, when you're, yeah. when you're delivering that in all different
1: markets? This is, a, is an interesting question. And I think it applies to a lot of different things. Um, in other words, uh, what I'm about to say about how we select an agent and how we select a company, because we do acquisitions as well, is very similar, I think, to how you figure out who's the ideal client for you to work with. So what we try to figure out whenever we're talking to an agent is, can we help them grow? Can they help us grow? And do they have a similar culture? Like, And by that, I mean, what's your office culture? Do you come from a point of collaboration or is it kind of like a cutthroat mentality? And I think, you know, when you're talking about working with clients, you kind of want to be going through the same thing, right? Can I help this person accomplish their goals? Is this someone that I'm going to want to work with? Because let's face it, going into this market shift right now, those sellers, you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. They're going to be spending probably more time with them uh, than you've spent in a while. And your buyers, uh, maybe that's going to shift a little bit too, right? So, so are these people you want to spend time with, are they people who are going to listen to you so that you can advise them? Or are they going to fight you the whole way? Um, so I think that it's a similar thing that you're trying to find someone who suits you. So that helps. That's the number one thing when it comes to keeping everything consistent. The second piece is we understand that in terms of branding – That consistency of what things look like and how they feel is what gives clients confidence because they feel as though I know what to expect. Um, I know that my expectations can be high when I'm going to be working with a Sotheby's International Realty agent. So each of us, to some extent, has to be the custodian of the brand. You know, we have to want to protect that piece of it and to put our best foot forward. Um, And I think that's really what we're all doing within our individual brands. You know, there are little pivots here and there. But I think the reality is that's what we're all trying to figure out is who's the ideal client and how can I best help them and how can I be consistent in my offerings?
2: Oh, I like that. I think um, and then in terms of supporting those agents and their their marketing and their Mm -hmm and just that overall lead generation capacity like what types mm-hmm. of tools and and things do you provide from a brokerage level
1: From the brokerage level, we do a few things. So we have a transaction management software that includes digital signature to keep them out in the road. Uh, We're also using a program uh, called deposit link that allows them to not have to run checks, deposit checks, and PNS checks and everything all over the place. That's done all virtually or remotely as well. Um, And then we've got search tools and everything else that we've provided to them. I will tell you from the management side, for those who are building teams, We have project management software that allows us to communicate as a leadership team. And that way we have sort of like, I would call it a hive mind in that if I learn something today in talking to an agent that I think is useful for everybody else to know, I will put that as a note and at the people that I think are important for them to understand that. So each agent has a board and that way we all learn something together. So if, if there's someone who's struggling or they have something to celebrate, Let's all do, let's all be part of that. Um, And I think what we've seen, I know, is that some agents who are building larger teams within our organization, they're using something similar. It's so important when you work with a team that you over communicate as opposed to under communicate, uh, particularly in today's day and age, because you will forget that you were not in the same room. You were not on the phone call together when you learned something about a client. And if you're all serving that client, then you need to know you need to be able to spread that information out.
2: Mm-hmm. I like that. That's uh, And I think that's, uh, uh says a lot about the brand and and your leadership, because um, I've worked at different brands and offices before in real estate. And I think there's this mentality of living inside the gun safe, which means like, we're not going to share anything we're doing. And literally that's right. the, cub- the cubicle next to us is one of our friends. Right. But if you ask me what we're doing, we're not telling you. That's uh, right. And I think that, that that's huge.
1: You know, it's so interesting. I think um, there can be a tendency to be uh, stuck in a scarcity mindset when you're in a commission-based business. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scarcity mindset is very dangerous because you what you're telling yourself on a regular basis is there's not enough for all of us. So I better grab whatever I can grab. And the reality is, you build more market share by seeing more opportunity. And that comes from having an understanding of the abundance mindset. There's a great book called uh, Ninja Selling, which maybe you've read before, maybe you haven't, but uh, by Larry Kendall, he's out of uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, and they do these trainings all over the country. And so much of it is about mindset, about getting into that abundance mindset and understanding that there is so much that your clients need from you. And there's so many ways that you can help them and there's so many reasons they're going to refer you to other people if you, if you make that the way that you operate yourself and your business.
2: No, it's a, uh, and the direct reflection I have as a real estate yeah. agent dealing with it on a regular basis is that, and I'm not going to throw any brands out there under the bus, but there's a certain level of communication and follow through and mm-hmm. like your agent agent to agent experience, like doing the buy side and the sell side. And with Sotheby's, I've never had a bad experience. They return my calls. They shoot me a text back. They are Mm -hmm. on top of the paperwork and it's like a, it's a level up in terms Mm -hmm. of like the caliber of agent that I'm typically working with. And I think Mm that, um, that emulates in the entire culture of across the brokerage, across the United States and the world. Um, so kudos to you guys for having that level of excellence because there can be a, a severe divide in agent to agent experience, which I think is what's right back to that scarcity mindset. Like yes. you're not important uh, yep. because I got other things in front of me that I need to do.
1: And you know what? That's so disappointing when we run into that and we're going to run into that everywhere. Right. But mm-hmm. I think what we're seeing in those cases thats that, um, People don't understand it. This is a business where you compete and then you immediately have to cooperate, right? We compete to get the listing or the buyer yeah. client. And then we have to cooperate with one another. And I took a class years ago. It was a, an executive training course over at MIT and it was about negotiating. And we don't think of MIT, the place of like numbers and graphs and charts as being the place you'd learn about something like negotiating. But what they do is they've been studying it and they've been studying the metrics that are associated with outcomes. And one of the things they learned is that you negotiate differently when you plan to have a relationship going forward. And if you think about this, not only is this a relationship business with our clients, it's a relationship business with the other agents. Because if they have a positive experience with you because you've had great follow-up or you have you know, crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's or whatever it is, you know, excellent communication, what happens is going into a competitive scenario if your offer is the same as somebody else's offer and the other person's listing agent, they're gonna go, i want Dan damn because he was awesome last time. I know he's gonna get this done. And right. I know he's gonna be easy to work with, right? So it ends up benefiting you and your clients to go above and beyond. And I was just saying this to somebody the other day. It occurred to me recently that being successful is about doing more than is required of you, doing more than is expected. And I think it's in that act that we not only Create more success for ourselves because of how others perceive us. But we also go home with a sense that I'm a creative person. I'm a problem solver. You know, I am a master at what I'm doing. I'm going after mastery here. And I think those are pieces that actually can drive us to have an excellent mindset and to find more opportunity. And that's what that book was about. There is no such thing as luck, is that, you know, Luck can happen to a group of people in a room where something positive happened. But if you're not looking for opportunity and you don't know how to grasp it and really make something out of it, it's going to pass you right by. So how do you figure that out? How do you create the the um, elements or the environment where you're going to have more lucky opportunities? I'm going to forget who said it, but you know, luck is the residue of hard work, mm. right? So you, the harder you're working, the luckier you get. <laughs> all the time. But it's a matter of being smart and understanding what you are looking to accomplish. Be really intentional about that and have a good, clean understanding of it. And it's amazing. My experience with agents has been, as I did coaching for a while too, You know, I've had multiple scenarios when agent has made a goal. And they've hit it right on the head, like alarmingly so. There was one agent who one year said, I want my take home to be $400,000. And that was a crazy number for this person, given their past experiences. So there was the goal, $400,000. And then we created a plan because you can't just do the same thing you did last year and expect totally different results. So we created the different plan. How are we going to measure if it was working? At the end of the year, she hit three ninety-five. She was $5,000 off a goal that she thought was a crazy number. And another agent one time said to me, I really want to get a $3 million deal. It would be so great if I could get into the higher price points and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not exaggerating. She called me later on that day and said, I just got a call from someone who's got two side-by-side townhouses you just built, 1.5 a piece for a total of $3 million. (laughs) And I think some of what happens is, you know, you could go with the wooey idea that this is if you put it in the universe, the universe will deliver. But I think really what's going on is our brains are GPS systems. (laughs) And what happens is when you put that destination in there and you work toward it, your brain's going to look for those opportunities. So, you know, luck is really about creating an environment where you're going to get the opportunity that you're looking for and you will have the skill set and the preparation to be able to take advantage of it.
2: Yeah, that's uh, I love these stories and little case studies because I always use the analogy of um, it's kind of like having a, a scent dog or a hound dog or a bird dog. Because yep. in, in real estate investing, we call them bird dogs, but mm-hmm. we're always sending out birds, and I think as you get more and more experience of like what type of investment you're looking for, I'm always sending out a more experienced bird dog to go. That's and find it. And I think as real estate, agents, it's the same thing, right? You want a $3 yes. million dollar listing, you better start prospecting in the right neighborhood, right. going to the right places, the network with the right people That's that
1: right. have assets. That's right. You, and you know what? I think one of the interesting things about this business, and maybe this is the same in other industries, but I see it really profoundly here, is if you're slow right now, let's say there's someone who's listening or watching and, and they're thinking, you know, $40 million in sales. Oh my God, I would love to be doing that. You know, I can't, I, I'm having trouble maintaining $4 million. Well, let's think about this. Who is the audience you're going after? How can you identify what the skill sets are that you're going to need? I'm actually in the process right now writing a book about a gap analysis that's specifically geared for this business. So, what are the skills that you're going to need in order to be able to uh, help someone like that, right? Because Worst thing that could happen is you do get that opportunity and you don't have the skills <laughs> to be able to take advantage of it. Right. So how do you do that? So let's give you let's have an example right now. Let's say there's somebody out there who says, I really want to sell in the multimillion dollar market. I've never done a deal up there. All right. Well, let's start pretending like you have done a deal. Go to every single broker open house that you can do market studies on what has happened in that market for the last 10 years so that you have good, clean understanding. Talk to your favorite mortgage agent and say, do you do those deals? And if not, who does them? Who's a portfolio lender that you could recommend? And understand the financial instruments that people are using, right? The more that you've done that kind of groundwork, then when you do get the opportunity, you the and the person says did you see the place that just sold down the street you're going to say yeah i did i did a walk through and that was an extraordinary property and you know when i've tracked the sales that happened at two million dollars and above in your neighborhood i found that over the last three years it's been a big change you know you've done the background work to get yourself ready for that opportunity
2: no it's <laughs> wow. i was trying to show this direct mail yes i have a. Uh different farms I've mapped out. And, 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 like, and exactly what you're saying is like, before I went to go uh, after this higher end, in my market, it's not crazy, but it's like yeah. 600,000 to 1.2 million is like yep. higher end, right? So yep. uh, what did I do? I went to the city or county pages and I printed out the city of Springfield, the city of Eugene, and I yep. found the most expensive zip codes. And I took a highlighter and I highlighted them all out. And then I figured, I tried to figure out how many people were in those areas. And then I took the EDDM tool and yep. I, I researched it to see how many mm-hmm. people in that price point are actually in those mailing. And I created a, like three or four micro farms for high-end listings. And then yep. when I get a listing there, what do I do, I already have it set up. It's ready. Yep. It's going. And then it, but to, to your point, the copy has changed. The lender yes. here has changed because I did the research.
1: Yep. Research is critically important, and you have to understand what is of value to that person. Mm. You know, the way that you talk to someone who's a first-time home buyer, when (laughs) their main concern is going to be, can we afford something? How is this process going to work? What do you mean I might need a lawyer? How does this, you know, that's a different uh, talk track in a different service set of skills than are required when you're talking to someone who's bought five places in the past. They're going to be using money out of, a, out of a, uh, you know, maybe their portfolio currently, or they're going to be using, they're going to be doing a, uh, some kind of special loan where they plan to take their giant bonus that's going to happen in January and actually just pay off the property. I mean, there are all these things that are that are going to happen. It's a different service skill set than for the other person. So how do you start to figure out what is the difference here? And that's where that gap analysis comes in. You know, it's skills, image, and people are the three things in this business that an agent needs, right? So your skill set could be, you know, what's my understanding of the marketplace and the specific uh, niche market? Mm -hmm. The image is going to be, how are you presenting yourself Mm -hmm. once you've got those skills? Like, what is the presentation going to be? Is it casual? Is it buttoned up? you know, like how sophisticated does it need to be? And then lastly, it's going to be people. Do I have the people in my sphere of influence who are going to be able to deliver those opportunities and are going to be able to help people, my clients once they come to me. So it's really about building up those elements to your business in order to to hit the target that you're going for.
2: I love it. This has been a great mix up round. Back to Norman. Wow. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, thank you, Dan, on that one. And just to kind of unpack it real quick. I mean, for the years and listeners out there, Dan's, Dan's taking notes as we speak. He's he's an action taker. Uh, You know, I love, I love, the whole thought process of the way that you broke down success, Colleen, I think that was phenomenal. And uh, just like this podcast, right? This is an amazing opportunity that we now have based off our past efforts and what we've done to get to where we are today to have an opportunity to have you on this show. And then for anyone who's viewing or listening can literally take this information right now. And i was just like conceptualizing being a newer agent or being someone that didn't have the skills that that someone that wants to break into a million plus dollar Profit margin, or or should I say demographic, and then what that would look like for them, and you you broke it down here on the episode as we've been going through that process. So so thank you so much, Colleen, for for the the practical actionable steps that people could take to really be able to have success with. it. And I can tell that you love to give and serve and support. So this is phenomenal. This has been well.
1: I'll tell you, year for years, I thought uh, I like a lot of different things. You know, my my personal interests are like music and art. And building things like building, you know, you know, things out of wood and everything. And, and so I was like, I don't have one particular passion. And I felt kind of bad about it for a long time that like there wasn't one thing because they always said, you know, do your one thing like Gary Keller, right? What's your <laughs> one thing? <I'm> <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I don't have one thing. And then I realized I asked myself this one day. So if you're struggling for your passion, ask yourself this. What was the day that you felt best when you got home? And why was that the case? And I realize the days that I get home where I feel like I could run a marathon at the end of the day, and I will tell you fellas that I am not in the shape to run a marathon, but (laughs) the days that I feel that way are when I've helped somebody else get to their goal. And I realize that is my passion, is helping someone else get to what they want to accomplish. So that has since become just a, it's so much easier for me to understand my why now and for me to understand how I can bring value whenever I'm talking to somebody. So I think, you know, if you, ever decide to go through that process is a great book called Start With Why. And he has a workbook too. Mm. And you need to have a buddy in order to do it. But it will help you understand what you're driven by and what helps to fill up your cup essentially with your business.
0: Wow. And that's exactly why Real super Technology is here today because we mm-hmm. want to be able to help people indirectly, right? We're not coaching right. anything like that, but that's we're building relationships on the show live real time for all of you as listeners to listen to. And then as a byproduct, views viewers and listeners are taking the information to apply to their business to have more success with whatever they're doing. So yeah. I, love that. I love that. So let's talk about, I have a couple last questions before we open up the floor to you to just kind of take it from here um, and leave something for our viewers and listeners to take from the episode. So we talked a little bit about mindset. Now you have all these agents and now you talked about the trip that you're on. You like to go to these different offices. You like mm-hmm. to have the ability to be in person more so than virtual. We can have that right to do that, right? Ever since now, you know, things and mandates have now relaxed a bit. Um. So, so how do you manage kind of like that whole, is it, are you just flowing through this process? Are you, are you setting oh, yeah. up a 12 month plan to say, okay, I have 25 offices. I'm going to hit them all up during this time. So you're already pre-planned the whole entire
1: year out. Like, how does that work? That's a great question. So there are a couple of things there that I think I can I can give to you that would be useful for somebody. One is as a leadership team, we use, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the a book called Traction um, by Gino Wickman. Um, but it's uh that book is all about basically how do you coalesce a team around a greater goal and then break it down into weekly or quarterly goals. And then how do you deal with the stuff that comes up? Because what can happen for so many of us is that you do have a goal, but then life happens. <laughs> and yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you kind of become your ADD brain takes over. And now you're just going off in 30 different directions. And you haven't pushed that that uh, the ball down the field at all because you've just been dealing with whatever comes at you. So that book and the process of running our leadership meetings off of that that traction process has been hugely helpful to us. So that's one thing I think that's useful. The second thing is to make sure that, you know, with our leadership team, what we do and what I would encourage anybody running a team to do is to have clarity around what everybody's roles are. So there's another great book for those who are starting a team called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. It's a great book. And it's all about how entrepreneurs, which every single real estate agent is one, when you first start your business and you are by yourself, you have all of the rules, right? So you are the, the marketing officer. You are in charge of operations. You are in charge of finance. You're in charge of all those things. And there is a terrible tendency in this business for an agent to say, I am so busy now. I am going to hire someone to do everything I don't have time to do. Well, that is the worst job description I've ever heard in my life. There is no way that someone could take on that role and knock it out of the park because there's no expectation. There's no clarity there, right? So they encourage you with the E-Myth to say, if I have all these roles, how do I hire for one or more of these roles right now, so maybe your first role is going to be to hire sort of like an operational slash transactional person, right? Mm. To take that stuff off your plate. So you want to think about that as being a set of roles, and the next one might be a marketing person who you hire, right? So you are trying to think about these roles as certain skill sets and motivations that that draw uh, drive these people, and then it also helps you to understand how to pay them. You know, people who are operational don't want to be paid off the top of every deal. They want a salary. So, how do you, or an hourly, how do you make that work? Right. So, um, that's a really helpful thing. And as a leadership team, we've worked hard to, uh, to grow and then to reassess every time and say, is everybody sitting in the right seat on this bus? <laughs> and are there t- is there too much of an overlap somewhere? In that case, how do we get you a nice clear lane and get you the resources to do what what you're here to do? So um, I think that those are the things that have allowed us to make sure that we're all in the places that we need to be, make sure that we're touching the offices that we need to touch and the agents that we need to touch, and that we are working toward those goals.
2: I want to make one point to this because you brought up yeah. uh, you brought up EOS and and, yep. and all of this. Yep. Uh, one one thing for agents to hear and me being somebody that was the operations or the, the integrator, right. Is yep. as a real estate agent, mm-hmm. you can't just hire somebody and then call them your integrator and assume that they're going to do everything. Like you said, that you don't mm-hmm. want to do. Cause I think the That's biggest right. mistake is people read that book yeah. and then they go out and they try to pay somebody a hundred grand to be their integrator. And yeah. then they're like, here is my entire business. Just figure it right. out. Right.
1: Right. Figure it out. Good luck. Let me know when you're done.
2: (laughs) I was that fatality. I left the business. Yes. Um, Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you bring up a really good point. You know, you left because you didn't feel like it was something that you could knock out of the park. Right. Mm. So there's a great book by Daniel Pink called Drive, and it's all about what drives us, what motivates us and what demotivates us. And he says, in order for people to feel fulfilled at work, they need three things, autonomy, mastery. And purpose mm-hmm. my guess is you didn't have autonomy because this person needed to make sure that nothing was getting lost right their purpose was not real clear you didn't have your own lane to run in and then that means you can't really develop any mastery because the game is constantly changing. it reminds me of years ago I worked for a startup and uh, after I had left that startup and I didn't stay very long because it was so unorganized. I uh, heard from somebody who said, you know, working at a startup is like being a firefighter and working for an arsonist. (laughs) And that's probably what your experience was. (laughs) <laughs> right? It wasn't clear what you were doing all the time. It was like, you'd be headlong into a project and they'd be like, Oh my God, we need you over here. You're like, "Ah!" You know? so it's just it no felt like way it's... to be like organized. Yeah.
2: And I think that's the, that's the, uh, that's that definition thing that you need to think about before you make yeah. those hires is being to set those boundaries, those lanes, the resources, like, Hey, yeah. you know, one of my big questions I tell people is like, what tools am I going to get? If I take on this position that I don't feel like you're micromanaging, Every aspect of it. And then if I need a budget for something, it's like pulling
1: teeth. Right. That's right. You know, it's I think what is hard for some people to understand. And this is something we've learned, by the way, the hard way half the time, you know, which is the one of the ways to learn um, is that people really want to have an understanding of what their role is and what success looks like. Yes, And if and if you don't have an understanding of what success looks like, you're constantly grasping. Now, there's danger whenever there's a new role and trying to assess success too soon, right? Because mm. while you're learning, if you're looking for progress, well, how do you measure that? Um, so what you want to do is have a sense of my first job with a new role that's never been here before is for me to learn second part is to figure out what I think we need to implement Third is to implement it and then to measure assess whether it's working or not um, so I think it's it's a real challenge and I and I'm so sorry you went through that experience again having worked in a startup I went through it too it's uh, you know is like what are we trying to accomplish well it changed every 30 minutes and you know, what are our resources? Well, here they are. Well, no, 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 they're not. Well, hold on. Wait a minute. We need to wait, but no, 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 you can have that. No, 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 you can't have it. Like, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, and working 12 hours a day. Right. Yeah. So um I think just that clarity is hugely helpful. Yeah.
0: Wow. Great points. Straight hamster well, in that analogy. And I love how clean you really like with that question I asked you, it wasn't like, here's your answer. It was like, no, let me give you some books, some resources to go deeper yes. for the viewers and listeners so they can exactly. look at that as a, a practical action step. You know, and I I'm loving this episode because you're going deeper with these su- subject matters, with stories and with books yeah. and with, practical action steps. Like, Hey, this is yeah. what I went through. This is what I did. And yeah, I can tell you that I go and plan 12 months ahead and I go to these offices on these different dates, but that doesn't serve anyone. That's just right. My, that's just my life. They want to actually know what's going on behind the scenes. So that, that was great. I love that. So the last question on my side is, is totally just random. If there's a place you could travel that you haven't traveled to that you've already traveled to, where is that place? And why do you love it so much?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Well, I'll tell you, you know, here we are in beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts right now, which I love. Um, but uh, there's a place that we've been going for the last couple of years that we're going to head back to in a few weeks, and it's up in the coast of Maine. And um, and I will say, in, in interest of full disclosure, my mom's family is from, but way up Maine, not down East Maine, like like basically you're, you're Canadian. <laughs> so that's how far up Maine they, they are from, but... Uh, there is something about the coast of Maine that is stunningly beautiful because you are faced with Mother Nature in a very real way. Uh, a lot of winding hills, um, you know, absolutely amazing food. The people are really kind. Um, it reminds me of like the the northeastern part of of Massachusetts, the North Shore of Massachusetts, in that way. Um, so I I love the coast of Maine. You know, I'm. The part of the reason I live in Massachusetts is after visiting, I think I've visited 39 states. Uh, this is still my favorite state to live in, you know, to be in. Um, we have everything that that we could possibly need from the ocean to mountains to farmland. To, I mean, you know, whatever you want to do, you could be doing it within an hour. Um and we're also among some of the most prestigious and, and amazing colleges and, and uh, learning institutions around the world. Um, so then that means that Google and Facebook and Microsoft and you know all of those companies are here because they're trying to grab those, those kids before they graduate from college. So there's just a lot of interesting stuff that happens here in Massachusetts. And I think it's why I can't imagine living anywhere else.
0: Wow. I absolutely love that. That That's amazing. And yeah, definitely being in mother nature and just being disconnected sometimes, but really connected. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: I think that's why I love Maine is because it rem- it's Massachusetts. But when I'm in Maine, being disconnected feels more natural. Whereas here I feel like, okay, I'm at work. You know, <laughs> I got to be available to everybody. When I go up there, I, I don't mind shutting it down a little bit more than I do normally.
0: Wow. Well, uh, I absolutely love that. So Changing it up, putting the camera on you for yeah. taking any, like, so the whole episode, we went through the whole episode. There's a lot of things for them to take now and think mm-hmm. about and maybe put into play. So from today's episode, what would you like to have our viewers and listeners take from you? Kind of like putting a nice little bow on it and saying, yep. here uh, yep. it go. It work. What, what would you say? What would you like to leave our viewers and listeners as we close out?
1: I think the most important thing that I could say to them today that's most relevant to what they're all dealing with probably right now is that right now the media is going to beat this terrible drum. It's the chicken little story that the sky is falling, right? Because the media makes money based on how many eyeballs or how many clicks they get. So they're going to catastrophize as much as they can and and say that the you know everything is coming to an end, that the that the interest rates going up above five is going to kill the housing market. Here's what we need to keep in mind. Uh, If you look at the history of the housing market, it goes through dips and it goes through, through bumps and it goes through all kinds of uh, moments where it just soars. In the end, again, it's one, it's an uphill climb in the right direction for us. The second thing to look at is the history of uh, mortgage rates because my first house i think i bought in the 90s mm. okay in, in the 90s so what we need to keep in mind is that in the history the the if we're looking at the historical context things are not nearly what the media is saying they are the other thing to keep in mind is that people will continue to buy and sell homes it happened in 08 in a in a that was clearly a recession driven by poor lending habits. Right. So it was directly affecting the housing market. And yet people still bought and sold homes. So what you what we need to think about is the reality of what we're facing, not to listen to the news media, be aware of what they're saying, but then look for yourself, really look at the data. Talk to people who have been in the business for 30 or more years, because they will tell you this is their third or fourth recession. This is their third or fourth change in the market, and they have managed to thrive. So how did they thrive? It is by focusing on what they can control, and it's by communicating that. If you think about this as being a perceived crisis out there, right? it's not a real crisis. It's likely a perceived crisis in most marketplaces. Because there really is no national real estate market. That's like saying it's raining in Peoria, Illinois. So here on Cape Cod, I better have an umbrella. No, probably not the case, right? So look at your own marketplace, figure out who needs your help, and then figure out how you can stay in touch with everybody, because that is exactly what you control. And the opposite thing to do, which would actually hurt your business and not help your clients, is if you turtle and turtling is what I call hiding from whatever is happening. So this perceived crisis where people are going to call and say, what's going to happen to the value of my home? And how in the heck am I going to deal with all of this? Well, what you need to do is stay in touch with them and give them the same information that you're going to do research on. You're going to say, Here are what, here's what the history of the housing market during a recession looks like. Here is what the history of mortgage rates looks like. Here is the history of values of homes over time. Now look at these and tell me you're still worried, right? Mm. So we needed to just stay in touch with people. We need to be the voice of reason in a time of you know kind of like major media insanity.
0: <laughs> wow, wow, wow! Yes, we are the drivers. So stay that's in right. the driver's seats.
1: That's right. Don't that's set, right.
0: Don't take a back seat and then let things okay. happen. When so they say that's life right. happens for you or happens to you, that's right. Happening for you here, but Colleen, this was amazing. Thank you so much for for being on Realty First Technology. This episode yeah. was just like, and we just met. This is the first time. So yeah, I checked thank you, you out both, and yeah. ah, thank you, thank you, Dan. and I love to serve the industry. Dan slipped into the DMs years back and said, "Hey, I left the industry. I want to come back." Yeah. Found not lift off, but now lift off. We rebranded over the yeah. years, and he got his license, and so we served. Yeah a bunch of agents across the states and it's just been a blessing so it's actually dan's idea to come up with rules. estate first technology
1: <laughs> it's so cool and it's such a neat way for you guys to give back i applaud you for doing that because i think the more that we all share and collaborate the easier it is for everybody to be successful
2: 100
0: yes 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 and and take down the guards of the walls and the social and, right. and the glam and get behind the scenes open the hood and Oh, no, nuts, bolts, like relationships. That's right. stories. So yeah. That's right. So, Colleen, thanks so much for being on the show. We really do appreciate it. We hope all our viewers and listeners could take massive value because I know that. <laughs> I did personally. I know Dan did. Thanks, Dan, for co-hosting totally. as always. I got notes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to all of our viewers and listeners as it is our intention for you to apply things to your business, have more massive success. Join us October 5th and 6th for What's Next for Real Estate. We'll be giving you a lot more practical actions and things that you can take and we will...